What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, folks? Thank you very much for listening to another episode of the Daniel Teaches Experience. I'm back with another topic today. We're going to be talking about relationships, more specifically, the dynamics in a relationship. Now, this is a giant topic. We could talk about this for hours, but for the sake of this episode, I'm only going to talk about some of the things that I think are super essential and some of the things that I don't hear talked about enough. So I want to do my due diligence and bring that to you here right now. So when I'm talking about relationships from a psychology standpoint, and for people who are listening to this for the first time, I'm a psychology student. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a psychotherapist. I'm not a psychologist by any means, but I am studying some of the things that they have studied. So I think it's maybe worthwhile giving you the two cents of the things that I've learned in lecture from the textbook and just different things and added those I've seen in my life. Without further ado, folks, let's talk about relationships and some of the psychological dynamics that we notice in relationships. So first off, when I say relationships, we have to, let's break down the term. Well, what does that mean? When you think about a relationship, what, what do you think of? That might be a romantic relationship. You might think of relationship with a sibling, with a friend, with a close friend, with an acquaintance, maybe with a colleague at work, maybe with your supervisor, with an employer of sorts. So there are many different ways in, in which we can grasp what a relationship means and what it means to us. Generally, when people think of a relationship, they think of not not by themselves, right? A lot of people, well, sometimes it's said like, oh, like you have to be kind to yourself. Like, yeah, that's true. But you don't hear often people saying, I have a very good relationship with myself, right? You don't hear that in colloquially, in common terms. You hear people go, I have a good relationship with my husband. I have a good relationship with my kids. I have a good relationship with my sibling in that sort of a manner. So what creates a good relationship? What causes a bad relationship? Again, in any way that you want to look at it. One of the things that I came across, which will surprise absolutely nobody, is that the number one thing that predicted the success of a relationship, now this wasn't specific to romantic relationships, mind you, but this could branch out to any relationship you can think of, is trust. Now when I say this, folks, you're saying, well, of course, you know, this is common sense. It is, but I promise you it's going to get a lot more interesting as I keep going about this. So you might say, well, Daniel, like, duh, obviously trust is important. But the unfortunate thing that people do is they kind of leave that at a surface level. And they go, yeah, trust is important, but they don't go deeper and go, well, why is trust important? What does it mean to trust someone? For me to trust you, what does it mean? I'll tell you a little bit of what it means. What it means to a degree is this. Usually, in relation to trust, if I am trusting you, if I'm putting my trust in you, that means in whatever way possible, I am somehow in a vulnerable place in whatever context you want to think, and I am putting power in your palms, in your hands to do something. And I, using the word trust you, to not stab me in the back. To be a moral and an ethical citizen and do right by yourself and also by me. Right, so when we build good relationships, it's oftentimes because we have good trust, right? I trust you, you trust me, whether you're my employer and you trust that I will show up on time, I'm your employee and I trust that you will not exploit me. If we are in a relationship, I trust that you will follow the expectations that we have for one another and I'm sure that you hope that I follow the expectations that I have for you and for our relationship, right? And when you do this over time and you realize that you can put yourself in a vulnerable place. So what does Daniel mean when putting himself in a vulnerable place, right? So for the business owner, if the employer, him hiring you or, or her hiring you says, I am confident and I trust that you will show up on time that you can be competent at whatever that I want you to do, correct? So 
it's actually putting them in a vulnerable place because what if you show up and you do terribly? What if you lose them customers that day? What if you hurt the reputation of that company, right? So think of it like that. Another way that you can look at vulnerability is imagine your girlfriend or your boyfriend wants to go out. Like, hey, I wanna go out with a few of my friends. I'll be out late. Well, what's happening right now? You might not necessarily say you're in a vulnerable place, but this person, your partner is gonna go out and they're probably gonna be surrounded by other people who either the same sex or the opposite sex, whatever you're thinking, that are gonna find your partner attractive and maybe she or he finds them attractive. And you have to be okay with the idea of them going out and living their lives because what is the alternative, right? You gotta FaceTime them, you text them every time, what are you doing? Where are you, who are you with? When are you gonna be home, right? And, and I don't think that that's the best way to go or sometimes you just can't afford to do that, right? Even though we see people really, really try to do it and we have this, term that we call parents who do that to their kids, they're called helicopter parents, right? It's the parents who follow their kids to everything and there's so much control and there's so much strictness and, and there's no room for flexibility. Sometimes it's those kids that make the complete U-turn, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? The parents are super against drugs, the kid ends up doing hard drugs. The parents are super against, you know, the kids swearing and are super for curfews. The kid is swearing his mouth off and he's never home. Right, so sometimes you, you see a little bit of that backlash. So when we talk about trust and relationships, I really wanna emphasize this idea of setting the ground and setting the foundations so both people understand that it is a safe space where you can be vulnerable and you will not be taken advantage of. Folks, love comes at a cost. If, if you know what, it, what love feels like, whether it's the love of a sibling, the love of a family member, the love of a close friend or romantically loving someone, it comes at a price. What is that price? The price is this. I will put myself out there and I will share my feelings. And in doing so, I will open myself up to rejection. I will show my hand, right? If, if we're playing a card game and I've got an ace, the moment I put my hand down and I show you my card, I'm all out in the open and I'm completely exposed. Why do I do that? Because I want to pursue a feeling, because I want to pursue this idea, this love, this trust. So I will put myself in vulnerable positions. I will put myself, if I allow, let's say my girlfriend to go out with her friends, I am putting myself in a position where if she wanted to, she could be unfaithful, right? And maybe I'd never find out. In order to love someone, in order to trust someone, you're going to be put in situations and they're going to be in situations where your trust is gonna be tested and you always have to give something when you wanna get something, always. Why do people who have relationship issues like to be alone? Well, one of the reasons is, man, if you're scarred in, in relationships, let's say you have a boyfriend and he cheats on you and you have another boyfriend and he cheats on you, well now, you're not gonna be super candid to get that third boyfriend, why? Because they've torn up your trust so much that now you can't, the idea of trust is not even registered with that person, but now it's registered with the world. So instead of going, John wasn't faithful or Rick wasn't faithful, now you're going, the world is full of people who are unfaithful. The world is not trustworthy, right? So you, you take a very specific kind of context and you apply that rule universally. You go, well, if John and Rick cheated, that means any person that I'll ever date will cheat on me. Thus, I should not get a boyfriend. So why, why am I bringing this up? The reason I'm bringing this up is this. When we wanna look at a relationship, we wanna look at building a good relationship, it's all about trust and it's all about love. 
The way that we create trust is we put ourselves in vulnerable positions. And same thing with love, right? If you tell someone that you love them, you are essentially exposing yourself and saying, look, this is how I feel. And if they were to reject you, there is no shield. There is no, oh, I didn't mean it. There is no, oh, I can't take it personally. Because you do take it personally. There's no way not to take it personally. The moment you take a shot, the moment you apply for the job, the moment you set a goal of losing a certain amount of weight, the moment you set a goal and, and you extend and you attempt something, it is possible that you might fail. That is why a lot of people don't attempt. That is why Sarah doesn't ask out John. She's had a crush on him for four years. Why? Because what if he says no? Because if I don't attempt, then I'll never experience failure. If I don't have a girlfriend, I could never get cheated on. Thus, I will never have a girlfriend and I'll only sleep around. Now, for you listening, because I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, and that's not my opinion, obviously, but I'm exaggerating a little bit to kind of show you the line of logic and how a person can go down that route. And, and what people like to do is they like to distance themselves from, from people who think like that. So they go, oh, I could never think like that. You know, I could never just sleep around with people. Like, are you sure? Psychology would, would say otherwise. Psychology would say that, listen, your genetics are important, your personality traits are important, but you know what else is important? Your experiences. What if you didn't have a mom growing up? What if you had a dad and all he did was sleep around with different women? What if you had two, three different girlfriends and they all cheated on you? Don't you think that would impact your perception of the world, more specifically your perception of relationships in regards to trust and love? So one thing we like to do is we like to distance ourselves and go, I'm not a cheater, I could never do that. I could never betray my partner's trust. That's very debatable. Could you and should you are two totally different things. Daniel, could you cheat on your girlfriend? Absolutely. It wouldn't even be hard. It'd be so, like with, with social media, dude, it'd be so easy. But should you? I don't think you should. I think anyone who believes in monogamy and staying with one partner and, and has a more conservative approach would say, no, you absolutely should not. Could you and should you are very different. Just because you can, does that mean you should? Let's say you're a good looking guy or a good looking girl. You go to a party, three people throw themselves at you. They say, we all want to sleep with you and we're fine to share you. Does that mean you take them all up on their offer? That's for you to decide. I'm only here to pose a question, just because you can, does that mean you should? Can you sleep at night if you do said things? Or maybe if you don't do said things, maybe you look at it as a regret. Maybe you go, man, I had an amazing chance and I didn't do it. So Daniel, why are you bringing this up? I'm bringing this up for, for this reason. Relationships are filled, filled with so many different dynamics about the psychology of how people get along and trying to tend to someone's needs, both physically and emotionally. And sometimes these needs aren't, aren't met. And when they are not met, it is really important to talk about it and to put it out there and to address it. So I talked about trust. I talked about the importance of love. I talked about how difficult it is to put yourself in that vulnerable position. But a lot of people, it's okay being rejected because the pursuit of love, the, the pursuit of whatever's over that hill is so much greater that you would, you're okay with, with trusting that person. You're okay with putting yourself in a vulnerable position. To build on that thought, one of the things that I see happen constantly in relationships, whether it be close friends, parents, spouses, 
are people don't say things that bother them. For example, imagine a gentleman and his wife are out and, and they're out of this party. And the gentleman who loves making jokes as a humorous guy, maybe indirectly makes a flirtatious joke or two. He starts flirting with, with one of the girls at a party. Now the wife sees this. She sees this. She gets upset. But she doesn't say anything. Why? Why doesn't the girl say anything? Well, maybe she thinks, um, I can't believe he did that. He should know that. It's, I don't have to tell him that he's wrong. He should know that he's wrong and he should come tell me and apologize. She could say, um, you know, she could start overthinking, start making up these weird rationalizes. Oh my God, does he find her cute? Does he, does he find her attractive? Is he starting to fall for her? Am I losing it? Is it because I've gained weight? Right. So all these thoughts start coming in and she won't bring it up to him. For whatever, maybe she wants to be polite. Maybe she thinks, oh, maybe I'm being a prune. Maybe I'm, I don't want to be the crazy, jealous girlfriend, so I'm not going to say anything, right? Fair enough, she doesn't say anything. Let's say the guy doesn't know that he's flirting. A couple days later, they're at home, and they like to keep a relatively tidy house. They both have an understanding that whoever cooks food, they also make sure they have to clean and put everything away. And one day she notices that there's dishes by the sink, just a couple of dishes. She gets upset. She goes, man, I've told this guy at least three times now, there's still dishes by the sink. I'm exhausted, I'm just not gonna tell him. This might sound very ordinary to a lot of people. And they're going, Daniel, this is normal. This is day-to-day -day stuff. We're not always gonna see eye to eye. You're right, listen to this. Fast forward six months from now, right? Seemingly insignificant small things have gone on over time, right? Whether it's once a day, once or twice a week, once every two or three weeks, these little things add on. But the person fails to communicate how they felt about the situation to, to their partner. Eventually what happens is, you get to this point where now, six months later, the guy and the girl are out, and the guy said, hey, I'm not gonna get reservations to this restaurant, we're just gonna walk in, it's all good, we don't need to reserve. They show up, it's booked, they can't go to this restaurant that they wanted to for their anniversary, right? The wife starts losing it. You're such an idiot, you're such a, such a buffoon, you're such a goof, I've told you two times already, why wouldn't you do that? Oh my God, and the dishes, you've been leaving the dishes out there for so long, not to mention you go around flir flirting with every girl that you see. Now the husband is going, wait a minute, wait a minute. We, we were talking about reservations. What did the dishes at the sink, what did the, I wasn't flirting, what are you talking about? A party, what party? And she goes, you know, six months ago, you were at the party and you were flirting with the girl in the red dress with the pearl earrings. He's going, what are you talking about? How is this relevant? So one thing that you find that people do is, it, and women are more susceptible to doing this than men are, they don't immediately say, hey, this is what you did. This is how it made me feel, right? And guys are also susceptible to being oblivious. Stuff goes over their head, man. We know that, that subtle things and subtle body language women pick up on a little bit better than men do. So a lot of times the guy could just be like, oh, I had no idea I did that. Or I had no idea that, that you felt that way. For my female listeners, please do not get comfortable in the mindset of he made a mistake. He should know he made a mistake. I'm not going to tell him and I'm going to wait for him to tell me because he might not tell you. And what happens is you're gonna carry that. And when you carry that over time, it's gonna to build towards resentment. And then slowly you're gonna start talking fast to him. And then he'll say, what's going on? You'll say nothing. And he's going, okay, there's definitely something, but obviously she doesn't wanna talk about it. Maybe you start ignoring him. Maybe you start rolling your eyes at him, right? Because you're mad, because you're thinking he should know. I shouldn't have to tell you. And you, I see where you're coming from because something that's very obvious to you, you go, well, if I was important to you, 
if you actually paid attention to me, maybe you would notice the things that you're doing in the way that I'm feeling. And you're not completely in the wrong. But folks, we have to understand that we see the world so differently. My reality is different than your reality. And I believe as human beings, and this applies even more to us romantic partners, it is our obligations to tell people when our needs are not being met. So now that couple goes to the counselor. Why? They're on the brink of divorce. You're going, Daniel, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. How do you go from flirting at a party, uh, dishes not washed in the sink, and a you know, not made reservation to go into divorce? Well, see, what happens is a lot of these small, seemingly insignificant events build up over time. And when a partner's needs are not being met or their feelings are not being addressed, they feel invalidated. They feel not heard. Guess what that girl's going to do? She's going to go to work, maybe indirectly, indir without even meaning to. She just drops something like, yeah, like, you know, John's just acting up again. And let's say at her work, Stan finds this woman very, very attractive, even though she is married. And guess what he does? He listens to her. He listens to her and, and he makes her feel validated. And she goes, oh my God, this is so nice. It feels so nice to be heard. It feels so nice to be cared for. It feels so nice that you ask questions and that you want to connect with me on that emotional level. And deep down she thinks, why doesn't my husband do this? Why do I get this from a stranger but not from him? So now she gets into this weird place because now you're feeling guilty, you're feeling shameful. You're like, wait a minute, like we didn't even do anything. He's just making me feel a certain way. You know, can, can my husband, John, ever make me feel this way? Am I with the right guy? Do I need to leave him? And that can be one of the factors why people get unfaithful in their relationships because their needs are not being met, whether physically. Men oftentimes, I shouldn't say oftentimes, but a lot of times it could be a physical need. Women. A lot of the times it could be an emotional need for whatever reason. So now you have a person who's, let's say, cheated on their partner, right? You, you can make this, you can keep going, you can think about the story however you want. They're in the counselor's office, right? And the counselor's sitting there. Now, what is the role of a counselor in these relationships? Or what do you do when trust has been broken? I made a video about, I believe it was called Trust and Reputation not too long ago. It was an episode. It was about these podcasters who basically had a reputation and they completely went against what they stood for. So you can check that out if you're really interested in trust. But just to give you the cliff notes, when trust, trust is extremely hard to make, but it's very easy to break. And once broken, you might never be able to get it back, at least to what it, what it was, right? So now these two people, they're, they're with the counselor. And neither of them are wrong with what they say. Neither of them are wrong. Check this out. The husband says, listen, my wife completely overreacted to me not getting a reservation at the restaurant. She completely flipped out. She started swearing. She started throwing things. It was completely uncalled for it, and he's right. Now, why is she acting that way? Because she's not just mad at the restaurant. She's mad at the dishes at the sink. She's mad that he's not emotionally there with her. She's mad that he's at, at work for so many hours. She's mad that he goes and he flirts with people at parties right in front, right? There's all these things that are built up. And what she's doing essentially is she is displacing those feelings onto him at that moment from all those different times. It's just all been held up and pent and built together and just built up into this giant bubble until the bubble bursts, right? So in his defense, he's right. He's going, I've got no idea where this is coming from, right? And in her defense, she said, listen, my needs are not being met, right? He is not, he doesn't ask me how I feel about it. He doesn't take my opinions into consideration. Even when I do tell him, once or twice or I hint at something, it just goes in one ear and goes out the other. Like he just doesn't take it seriously. He just is like, yeah, yeah, sure I'll do it. And then, and then he doesn't actually take into account what I've said. 
And here's the problem for the counselor, right? Folks, a lot of people think that when, whether you want to talk about depression, suicide, marital status, it's not one thing that leads someone to, again, depression, thinking about killing themselves, leading to divorce. Generally, it's a series of things, right? It, it's this conglomeration of a, of a bunch of events that have happened at the same time where a person essentially feels overwhelmed and there's so much to deal with. There's so much that they go, there's no way I can keep this up. I'm just gonna drop all these plates that I've been juggling because my head is spinning. And even if I wanted to make this better, make the relationship better for in this scenario, I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know where to begin. I just need a break. And that's when you have your wife moves in with her, uh, with her mom again, you know, or maybe the guy leaves the house and he stays at his buddy's, you know, couch for like a week or something, right? So now this counselor's sitting there. And now this he or her is in a, is in a very tough predicament because you have these people who trust has been broken. And it's not like there's one event, right? As I kind of demonstrated to you in that story, it's a series of events. So now you're sitting there and you're going, okay, well, the main thing is trust, right? The main thing is trust. The main thing is that there are certain things that the man wants from his wife. There's certain things that the wife wants from the husband. They're not uh, catering to each other's needs for whatever reason. And there are a series of events that both of them have their own perspectives on. it. And the bad thing is if they're mad at each other and they don't communicate properly, chances are the husband doesn't know the wife's perspective on a matter and the wife doesn't fully know the husband's perspective on a matter either. So you've got no idea. So if people do show up to counseling, the small thing which is good is it shows that, that, they're, that they want to work on the relationship, is it shows that they can agree at least on something. And that is the point. If you ever disagree with someone, the best thing you can do is you can find one thing that you agree on. So what you want to do first off is, if me and you disagree about 50 things, but we agree about one thing, what I would say is, I'd say, all right, man, listen, let's start off with uh, talking about some common ground we have. So we both agree that the best thing that we can do in order to increase our diets is to make sure that we have plenty of vegetables and plenty of fruits, however that was, correct? Okay, so now that we both agree on that, the part where we see differently, so, so do you see what I'm doing? So essentially, when you talk about common ground first, what you're doing is you're, you're getting away from that kind of combative state of me versus you, and you're really getting to this, you know, we're working together, we're in the same boat, we're problem solving. And, and it's really good, man, and it really takes down the tension, and takes down the stress. So for this counselor, the very tough thing is, you know, you gotta, you gotta make sure that one, they trust each other, you gotta make sure too, and usually the, the man's worse at this, that they believe in you, the counselor or the psychologist, that you can do what it takes to, to make things work. When the reality of the matter is, man, the counselor and the psychologist really can't do anything. It's about you two. The, the, he can only guide and he can question, and he can push. In my opinion, I think everybody has the answers to their own problems. Well, why do you go to a counselor or psychologist? Well, in their level of training with respect to biology, neurobiology, the things that they know about their hormones, they can maybe question you a certain way. They can guide you a certain way. They can challenge certain thoughts. They can show you different perspectives that you might not have considered. But essentially, in my opinion, it is the, the, the clients themselves who teach themselves, if you will, or, or who find their own path, as opposed to the counselor this, is this wise, you know, long, white-bearded man who gives them all the answers to life. My main message with relationships is this. If, if trust is broken and if needs aren't met for a prolonged period of time, 
it gets very hard to save the relationship. So the best thing that you can do is the moment you see little things, little things that tick you off, little things that make you upset, this is what you have to do. You have to sit down with your partner and go look in a calm manner. This is what you did. This is when you did it. Or, or let me say this. This is how I saw you doing it. This is, this is what it looked like to me because your perception shapes your reality. Maybe he saw something that you didn't see or vice versa. So you say, look, this is what it looked like to me. It looked to me like you were flirting with this other girl at this party, right? It made me feel like this. I don't want to feel like that anymore. So then the other partner in a perfect world goes, hopefully if they're a sensical and good human being, they go, I had no idea that I was doing that or I was not consciously aware of it, okay? Two, I hear you. Folks, one thing that, that guys are particularly bad at are men take a lot of positions of power, right? Positions of power meaning CEOs of, of companies or whatnot. And in those positions, you sometimes don't have time for, for emotional discussion. Meaning it doesn't quite matter how you feel or taking, again, other people's feelings into account, acting on rash and emotional, and, and you don't have time to be upset. You have to make the most effective decision in the most time constraint manner possible, right? Someone says, hey man, we got 30 minutes to get back to that company. If we want to do the merger, our profits will be this, but we got to let go about a third of our employees. Is that what we want to do? Yes or no? You don't got time to be emotional. Like, oh man, well, I feel bad about my employees. Like, there's a level. Does that make sense? I'm not saying you got to be heartless and cold, but but you have to be very, uh, you know, emotion to the side, calculated. Just look at the numbers. No emotion. Just look at the numbers. What makes sense? Does that make sense? So when you get that person in a relationship with someone where it's not just the numbers, it's not just the facts and logic, but emotion is very important. It's very easy for men to say, "What do you want me to do about it? What do you want me to do to fix it? Do you want flowers? I'll get you flowers." What, what do you want to happen? Do you want to watch a movie? Watch a movie. Like he's just trying to get the fastest solution because a lot of times, not to generalize all men, but if you are in those sorts of positions, it's about finding the most effective solution in the best time possible, right? You want to maximize the profits. You want to maximize the pros and minimize the cons. But oftentimes in those relationship-like situations, what your partner might want, the, the only thing that they need is just to be heard, man. Like you'll be surprised and... and I challenge to all my guy friends listening to this, talk to the females in your lives and go, how important is it to feel heard for you? Even if the guy doesn't have an answer, how important is it for him to sit there and be like, hey, I just want to hear you out. And then when you tell him how you felt, you don't invalidate her feelings. You don't say she's making stuff up. You don't say, well, I don't remember that. So I guess it must not be that important, right? But you sit there and you go, and you genuinely, genuinely with compassion and kindness and you go, I'm sorry that you felt that way. I had no idea. That's not an excuse. I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that. And I'm, first of all, it makes me upset that you're upset. Secondly, I find comfort in knowing that you feel comfortable with opening said discussion with me. That you trust me enough to talk about these sorts of issues. And that means a lot to me because I, I want to be that person for you. And I hope that you know you are that person for me. Now, you think I was flirting at this party. It made you feel that sort of way. I promise you that was not my intention. What can we do together next time if we go out to a party? What can we do to make sure I don't flirt? Because it can be, it's to, to some of you listening to this, you're going, you know, why are you going so in depth? Just don't flirt with other people. That's so obvious. It's like, yes, to you. To you, it is very obvious, right? But it, it depends on 
the person themselves, right? Because if you didn't catch it the first time, how are you going to catch it the next time, right? So it, as silly as it might sound, as ridiculous as it might sound, the partner might have to give specific examples and be like, well, when you made this joke, it sounded like you were insinuating this. When you made this joke, it sounded like you were indirectly meeting this. And the guy, to no fault of his own, could say, hey, listen, I didn't mean any of that. And that's okay. But it doesn't change the fact that she heard it that way and it made her feel a certain way. And that's when the couple has to sit down and go, okay, look, I don't want to make you feel that way. It sucks that you felt that way, but you did. And now you're letting me know. And I can't turn away from it. And I can't pretend that I didn't hear what you just told me. So what can we do together to move forward? You say, stop flirting with other women at parties. I am a humorous person in general. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to go to a party. I'm going to be very conscious of how I talk to everyone. And after like 30 minutes at the party of mingling with men and with women, I'm going to talk to you again and be like, well, what did you think? I think I was good. And then you, you work with feedback. Now, again, this might sound ridiculous to a lot of you. You're going, Daniel, I know what flirting is. I know what flirting is. It's not about being obvious, folks. It's really just about my, my message here is you want to make sure people feel heard. You want to make sure that when people share, your, share their feelings, you don't invalidate them. You don't say, no, you're making it up. Or you don't say, you're crazy. You're just being jealous, right? I'm not saying you're naive and you agree with everyone and whatever your partner says, but you take their opinion seriously and you go, okay, okay, let's go to another party. I, I will seriously be more self-aware about how I talk. And I'll, I'll really try to think of it from your perspective and vice versa. What if you were talking to a guy and you were making certain jokes? How would that is, right? So the moment you can change your perspective, it helps a lot in a relationship. So folks, the big message here is if you're in a relationship and you see little things that start to bug you, not only is it, is it normal, but I, I motivate you and I encourage you to please bring this stuff up. Bring it up in a calm manner. Bring it up in a friendly tone. Obviously, if tensions are stressed, don't bring it up during a bad time. But if you've got a couple minutes to chat, just say, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? Well, this is something that I noticed that kind of rubbed me off the wrong way. And, and be careful before accusing because you don't know intent and go, hey, listen, I kind of saw you do this. This is what it looked like to me. Could you explain what, what you meant by that exactly? And what you're doing is you're giving the person space to explain themselves, to interpret their message without saying, you dirty scumbag, I can't believe you're out flirting. You don't want to do that because then you get into a back and forth, right? Wow, half an hour already. Folks, thank you so much for listening. I'm going to cut it there. This was another episode of Daniel's Experience about relationships. <clears throat> I hope you enjoyed. I hope that gave you some value. I hope it was entertaining or at the very least educational. Once again, I thank you very much for listening on Spotify, Apple iTunes, YouTube. I appreciate it. If you folks have any interesting topics, ideas, things that you want me to discuss, don't hesitate to send me a DM on Instagram. Don't hesitate to comment on YouTube or any other way that you know to contact me. I'm more than happy to talk about new topics. Everybody take care, stay safe, and enjoy the rest of your day. Bye-bye.